91.3 WLRN presents Topical Currents. Stand by, it's a Topical Currents public radio profile this hour. We visit with longtime WLRN staffer and folk music advocate Michael Stock. Good afternoon, Joseph Cooper here. Michael is a born and raised Floridian with a special love for the long history of all kinds of American and international folk music, as well as its Florida tradition. His weekly radio program showcases and helps keep alive the genre within our region. Usually there's a live music performance from the studio with the video available online. And then the artist interviews, too numerous to even compute. So this hour, we feature Michael and some great folk music, of course, and also open our phones. Stay tuned. Michael Stock on Topical Currents. First, the news. And six minutes past one o'clock, it is today's Topical Currents. Joseph Cooper with you on this cloudy Wednesday afternoon. Bonnie Berman has the day off, but uh, she'll be returning with us tomorrow. In fact, she wishes, she told me this morning, she wishes that she was here today for this interview because we have our mutual friend and colleague, Michael Stock, with us. He's been at WLRN since about 1980, maybe 81. He came aboard then to produce a folk music slot on the station. At that time, WLRN was housed in a ramshackle radio studio, and that sort of being kind, Michael, that uh, studio topped the old Lindsey Hopkins building in uh, downtown Miami, long since raised, and just catty corner from where we are now. Today we'll learn more about uh, Michael, Michael Stock, and his dedication to the music he loves the most, uh, the many forms of folk music. And he joins us now for the hour. Michael, kind of a strange reversal. You engineered this program regularly for what, like three, four, five years? I did. And this is so bizarre, me being on this <laughs> side of the microphone. <laughs> well, you grew up in the on the beach in the 50s and 60s. That must have been interesting. Miami Beach. I grew up in Surfside, and it was so boring. South Florida was such... Boring? I mean, it was uh, referred to as... Uh, well, it was South Beach it was called Miami Beach then, and that's where all the retired people went to die is what it but was. But Lincoln Road to. then was still very active, the it, Burdines and shopping. Oh, when I was a child, yes. Yeah. When I was in high school, it was working. When I started working here, it was dead, going down Lincoln Road. It was Road. just a bunch of electronic stores and some of those electric carts that would go back and forth for the retirees. And I, it, not even that. It was just dark after 7 o'clock. It was dark. It was dangerous to be on Lincoln Road back in the 80s. But you went to Beach High. and uh, Beach High. I, I got to admit, I didn't enjoy my high school years. It was a very tumultuous time in South Florida with, uh, with uh, the Cuban immigrants and also with the immig- uh, integration. So Miami Beach then became a vocational school, and it was riots every day. And I don't have really positive memories of going to high school, quite frankly. And then you uh, carried on to uh, USF over on the West Coast. USF, going to college, opened my eyes. I became a citizen of the world in college. And uh, I was actually in high school. I got turned on to folk music. And I was quite a loner there. Nobody was into Bob Dylan in high school. Nobody, I don't even think, heard of Bob Dylan back in the 80s and 70s and 80s in high school. And uh, going to Wait college. Minute, nobody heard, heard of Bob Dylan in the 70s and 80s. I was, one of my favorite classes in high school was popular culture of the 60s, and I jumped at it. I did uh, Bob Dylan, obviously, folk music. 
And yeah, most of the class had was pretty ignorant when it came to popular culture of the 60s and the 80s. Well, why did it register with you so much? Uh, a, a high school teacher played uh, like a Rolling Stone. Bob, it was a humanities class, turned me on to Vivaldi, classical music, turned me on to Bob Dylan, played like Rolling Stone, and it hit me. It, I related to Bob Dylan's poetry like millions of others did, and I felt like a Rolling Stone. I kind of became a Bob Dylan dressed in black, started carrying around a guitar and learning his songs. Never became a performer, but uh, I still loved his music. But uh, did you then... Uh just start doing research and reading, or well, when you yeah, I mean, did you know did you know who like Woody Guthrie was at that time? No, or? I the first album I bought was uh, let me see, it was like Rolling Stone. So then I went to the store and I bought Bob Dylan's new album at the time, which was Blood on the Tracks, which was a, it's a great album. And then through uh, my research on Dylan, I found out who Guthrie was, and then I found out who the Weavers were and, and Pete Seeger. And at the time, I thought Pete Seeger and the Weavers were, were sellouts. You know, they weren't real folk music. They were commercial folk music, not like Bob Dylan. And uh, <laughs> I've since then learned that Pete the Seeger. Opposite. It's the opposite, more or less, yeah. But uh, that's that was my introduction to folk music. In fact, my first radio show I did in Tampa as a volunteer at WMNF, it was 90% Bob Dylan. Now, that just about... I think WNFF came on, MNF over there came on the air about 1980, Yeah, the year I graduated like college, uh, 1980. They, I, w I turned into a radio station thinking it was the jazz WUSF station, and I was listening to jazz, and, and the DJ comes on and says, this is WMNF. We're just on the air, and we're looking for volunteers to do shows. Boy, that opens the floodgates. Oh. <laughs> I was a senior in college. I had a, was a major in geography. I was planning to become a park whoa, whoa, ranger. Whoa, 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 You majored in geography. Geography. I, Who majors in geography? Someone who's undecided for four <laughs> years, and the counselor says, well, if you take geography, you could graduate pretty soon. That's so a path to a high-paying job, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> well, I had wanted to become a park ranger. I love camping. I was okay. a Boy Scout. And unfortunately, the year I graduated was the year Ronald Reagan put a freeze on all federal hiring, so <laughs> my plans changed. So, uh, let's see, WNFM was sort of a uh, free-form uh, community access station at the time. or MNF. And at the time, I think, like, uh, the WDNA was at that time here in South Florida. More or less. Uh, MNF uh, was... Volunteer producers. and The organizer of MNF was a little organization called ACORN, which uh, worked to uh, Im improve the conditions of the impoverished in the community. <laughs> yeah. And that's what they did, and this radio station worked to organize the, uh, the impoverished uh, in uh, Tampa. And uh, Acorn has since been demonized by, by the right, but nevertheless, it got this radio station off the ground. And what was the question? Well, I was moving on where uh, you began. You came back to South Florida, and you were producing some kind of low-budget concerts, which they were folk concerts. I was producing folk, which concerts. almost by self-definition are low budget. Well, low budget. I mean, to me, folk music is an alternative to pop music. You have pop music, which is popular. And if you have folk music, what, is folk music now popular? So I was up against the wall right there. Uh, but I started doing folk music, piggybacking on the concerts that the radio station in Tampa did, WMNF. So when they, they still have a thriving concert series going on to this day 20 years later, 40 years later. But uh, I started booking the same acts they were booking, bringing them down to South Florida and building a folk audience. When you looked at the newspaper back in 1980, 85 in, in South Florida, of course there was no internet, no computers, just news newspapers for publicity uh there was no listing for folk music so i said i'll change that and i started promoting folk music actively and you for, I, I remember when you first started here you were doing these things called house concerts i did a few of those 
in order in order to pr- promote my concerts, I contacted L.J. Slavin here at WLRN to help promote my right. folk shows. And then one day he says, "Well, I can't help you. I'm leaving town." So I said, "Well, who's taking your place?" He goes, "No one." So the next day I was here <laughs> asking for L.J.'s rep- being uh, to be re- L.J.'s replacement. But house concerts uh, became into vogue after I started producing concerts, and they were such a a, a lot of work, you know, trying to sell out uh, the Colony Theater. Now, this is Lincoln where someone Road. opens up their living room for obviously a handful of kind of Those, those are house concerts. Yeah, house concerts uh, are a lot easier than putting on shows in theaters. You okay. just basically, it's, it's, a, it's a small in, invite to a group of people. You only can fit maybe 30, 40, maybe 50 people, depending how big your home is. But for artists coming down to South Florida, it's great. They, they have an audience, and they have a paying audience, and it's a small li- little living room. <laughs> and they can stay there too. They can stay there, <laughs> uh, and the promoter doesn't have to try to sell tickets to uh, and or buy advertising. It's just a, or pay rent or pay rent. It's it's a it, and, and it, when you talk about these arts organizations, whether it be folk or jazz, even classical, it, majority of it is volunteer people who are putting us on. A lot of people are just doing it for the love. So that's that's where we were. We weren't getting paid or anything. We just put on these house concerts, asked artists to come down, and it was just a lot of fun. And. Uh, the radio show then, uh, that was a three hours at that time, I think, on Saturdays. I think it was always three hours. And I had I thought it would be brilliant to be able to promote the concerts on the radio uh, that I was bringing down. But for some reason, it didn't work out. I still didn't attract a large audience for my my concerts. So I, I one time decided, all right, enough of putting on concerts and all the stress that causes. I'll just focus on the radio show. Now, with all these years you've been doing this, I suppose there's been a tremendous evolution in how you do that radio program. If you were to listen to uh, recordings maybe made in those years, you'd probably cringe, but I everybody had, does. I had a, uh, a listener once say to me, oh, I've been listening to you for so long. You're so much better than you used to be. <laughs> a said, backhander. Oh, oh, thanks, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but, yeah, I've involved. I mean, when I started doing the show, I was more of a traditional folk, folky, and I didn't want drums, and I wanted traditional music. And it's impossible to keep that standard because all every artist is free to do what they want. Just to restrict them to not having drums is, is kind of silly. Now, L.J., when he was doing the program, L.J. Slavin, uh, the musician, he was into more old-timey music, uh, the real old dulcimer things. Well, he played old-timey music. Yeah, right. So he naturally he played a saw, for heaven's sake. He was great. He was yeah. a very good musician. But I used to listen to his show and complain that it was too much old-time music. And I used to say to myself, geez, if I could do that show, I'd do a lot more variety. And sure enough, the thing landed in my lap. He left town, became a, a musician in Chicago, right. did some stage work. He, he was very accomplished. Yeah. Well, why don't we play uh, one of our uh, regionally, our artists in residence, as it's sometimes called, before we go out, we're going to take a break. So let's just play out some uh, music and tell us what it is. And uh, Well, well artists in residence, I'll just play uh, an artist uh, that I just had on the show last week, which is Graham Wood Drought, number one. And he was just on the show last week. This is a song. Uh, he was a great blues singer from Ico Ico. Great. He's been a mainstay in South Florida for decades uh, with Ico Ico. And uh, this is one of his latest recordings, and it's called The Bullets in the Bonfire, featuring Ico Ico. And it's a bunch of different songs. This is not only Graham singing and on guitar, on background, on lead guitar, he has Albert Castilla, who's oh, yeah. an outstanding blues guitarist who's since gone on to touring all over the country. But here's, uh, here's Graham Wood Drought with his song, Ghost of Mississippi. We floated into Memphis, like pharaohs down the Nile. 
rainbows on our shoulders and silver in our smile. When we walked down Beale Street, everybody knew our names. Our gunshot tombstone bullets and all our loves and pain meet in the bottom. Let us swim across the dog. With the ghosts of Mississippi Meet the gods of Africa back it's topical currents joseph cooper along with my longtime friend and colleague michael stock you hear him sundays on the folk and acoustic program it's been going on for many years about almost four decades now for you right michael that that doesn't make it sound good joe you <laughs> make me no, sound I, old when you say that actually ted grossman has a longer program okay good. There, sorry. as long as he's around i'm younger than him so that's good okay so let's talk about uh, the components of the program for those who haven't heard the, heard uh, what you do on sundays well a lot uh, of live music you don't hear that on radio very often anymore. I, I think that's an important part of my program when we this wlrn has gone through changes as well and we were it used to be a music station and now we're a talk station a news station so i when when we made that conversion, I thought, well, I better do more talk on my folk music show, and I opened it up to a lot more interviews. And uh, most of the interviews are I, I, I restrict it to mainly artists who come out with some new product, a new CD, or an artist who's going to be in South Florida, and I'm going to help promote their show. And uh, so they come on, and while they're on, uh, it's a folk and acoustic show. I ask them to. I generally don't have any guests on unless they're an author. Uh, or if they're a musician. And if they're a musician, I ask them to play a song or two. And when they play a song or two, I, lately I've been videotaping it and throwing the uh, video up on YouTube. There's a lot of those to see. I was it's on, amazing. online today. Uh, well, I've been doing that for about five years now, and I must put up about two a week. I interview about two or three musicians every Sunday. And uh, and uh, I put their video on uh, the Internet, and I have, I have close to about 800,000 hits at the time, which... And these aren't staged productions. There, you can really see where you are in the studios with all the, the walls of CDs, and uh, you're in that tiny little little room. I'm trying to cut down that third wall. I just make it accessible. And <laughs> I see you in there with your guests. You're recording with. You got your little, a very simple lighting set up, and and away they go. Yeah. I, I suppose many of these folk artists rarely get a chance to uh, be able on live radio. In, the, in a market this size, especially. No. Well, live radio is also a dying thing anyway. I mean, the free-form radio, the type of show that LRN lets me do, is is not is, used to be a lot more popular in the 70s, 60s, and 70s in free-form radio. These days, it's very rare. And to have live guests in the studio is, is probably even rarer. It's really exciting. I, I find it. I find it every week. It's a fun thing to do. Our telephone number, if you'd like to join in, we're visiting with WLRN folk and acoustic host Michael Stock. Our number, 1-800-743-9576, 1-800-743-WLRN. Also, email, that's radio at WLRN.org, radio at WLRN.org. I had an emailer here, Michael, who wanted to know about where they can get a playlist for the artists you play on the program. I do post the playlist uh, right after my show. I type it up and put it on the WLRN website. If you go to Folk and Acoustic Music and scroll down, you'll see the songs I play. 
And uh, are the programs typically kind of a thematic? Uh... Uh, no. Uh, I, the themes, uh, if I have a theme, it usually lasts maybe three or four songs because I get pretty bored. So if I do a bluegrass theme, it's maybe three or four songs. If I have Celtic music, it's only a set of three or four music. Uh, if it's political season, uh, I'll do maybe three or four political songs in a row. But it's it's free flowing, and if if I get a request, and the, the, the then the form kind of forms around that request. So it's just a I just flow with whatever I get. Of course, social protest has always been sort of the bulwark of the folk music uh, genre. Is that still going on? Well, that's what got me involved when I heard Dylan, and I got involved. Uh, I found out about Dylan's protest music. Think it was of just the a, Kingston Trio and Peter Paul and Mary and. You know, it's funny because I, I've been reading about folk music and the Weavers, some, this one author Weavers, accused yeah. Pete Seeger of hijacking folk music and, and turning it into a protest genre. Probably kept it alive. He probably <laughs> kept it alive. He certainly did. He influenced an incredible amount of people. That's, that's about the only negative thing I've heard about Pete Seeger other than uh, people who don't approve of his politics. But the fact that he hijacked folk music is kind of drastic. But uh, the politics is A tremendous influence on Dylan. Oh, yes, it was a tremendous influence on Dylan, and, uh, well, Guthrie more so than Pete Seeger. But uh, politics is still very much alive in in folk music. Uh, Roy Zimmerman is probably one of the best. He's uh, a new Tom Lehrer, if you remember Tom Lehrer, doing political satire. Roy is going to be in Broward County uh, next month, I believe, Roy Zimmerman. Do we have any regional artists who are good on the... Do a political. Rod McDonald does nice political music. Uh, I don't know anybody off the top. Of my we don't head have right anybody there. on these segments on this list. No, on the list, although I do have Tom Harris. Tom Harris was one of the first people I met when after I did my show, started doing my show thirty years ago, and uh, he's he. Uh, when I first met him, he was a resident of Coconut Grove. He used to tell me he used to sleep under park benches because he was a homeless folk singer. The old joke that John... Do some busking there? Yeah. John Sowell used to tell me a joke. says, what do you call a homeless folk singer? It's, it's a folk singer without a girlfriend. That's, that's, <laughs> so Tom Harris reminded me of that perfectly. And uh, what's, and and play that now? Yeah, he called me up. I, he's been, I hadn't heard from him in 25 years. And all of, out of nowhere, I get a call from Chicago. He's up there now. And he sent me some material. And uh, let's just play... I'll tell you what, let's play a couple Coconut Grove. Why don't we set up Coconut Grove for listeners who are new to the area? The Coconut Grove was sort of the um, uh, artsy place in the 60s. It became um, a Greenwich Village South. Right. And uh, people like Fred Neal and Vince Neal. Fred Neal. Fred, Fred, Fred Neal and Vince Martin came down and just wrote loved the, the music, here. the song from The Graduate. Yeah. Fred Neal. They came down to Coconut Grove and Jimmy they Buffett. Turned, they 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 start they loved Coconut Grove and they t- made it a home. They opened up a couple of coffee houses. So I'll play a couple of songs now from a couple of Coconut Grove. I actually saw David Crosby there once. David Crosby, of course. Well, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, they all came down to South Florida back in the sixties. But let's play number uh five and then right after that number seven back to back. Okay, you could fade those in and out, Jason, all right? Here this is starting off with Tom Harris. Henry Flagler's railroad from Miami to Key West It was to be the strongest, no doubt also the best Back then only one thing could beat old Henry's train The fury of King Neptune in the name of a hurricane Here was 1930 It's really true how nothing matters No mad, mad world, no mad hatters 
It has kind of a uh, Santana feel to it. It does. This is uh, Bobby Ingram. Don't bother door, there's no one coming. The ocean roar will do the drumming of any city thoughts or city ways. Bobby Ingram is still a current resident of Coconut Grove. In fact, this is a brand new CD from Bobby Ingram called Postcards from Coconut Grove. And uh, David Crosby also joins Bobby on the album. And he was uh, one of the early pioneers in folk music in the 60s, helping opening up the clubs that we were just talking about. How has uh, the Internet and social media affected folk music? Is it more accessible now that you don't, that that, that, uh, artists can go on YouTube and... It's, it's affected everything. <laughs> it's, it's, Is it's, it more accessible now? And yes, it's a lot more accessible. Uh, you could find everything I do every Sunday on the on the radio, but it's like I my job now is to sorting all that out and finding my favorite stuff and sharing it with you, as well as playing the uh, doing the live interviews. But uh, one thing the internet has done and YouTube has done is increased the level of musicianship. Now you get kids who 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 are taught by the best in the world. They just go to the internet tune into Tony Trishka if they want to learn banjo or they can go to Baylor Fleck see the best players in the world and learn from them uh, free lessons on the internet it's incredible so the, the quality musicianship you get now is just way over the top and it's uh, it's hard to keep up with it I mean I, I didn't want to bring up Chris Teeley at, at that much but he's going to be the new host of A Prairie Home Companion right. which I think is debuting this this Saturday night but he's one of these young Turk musicians grew up uh, I think he has a MacArthur uh, uh Award in mandolin, and he's bringing this this musicianship level to a Prairie Home Companion, so it should be very Remember exciting. Remember when Garrison Keeler retired for a while, and they brought on uh, 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 Neil? Uh, what's uh, uh, for Good Night? Or yeah, yeah, I remember that show. The news guy, yeah. Neil, Neil Adams is that his name? Noah Adams. Noah Adams. Noah, Noah Adams. Adams. Yeah. And then uh, and Garrison came back right. at retirement. I've got a uh, email from George. He says, many of Michael's guests also convey the real-life challenges of making a career in music, a dose of inspiration and tough love for aspiring musicians. It's a tough, tough life. It's, it's, uh, being an artist is tough, but I, I tend to ask questions that people wonder. Like, I think it's a good question, how do you make a living? How, do you, how, how much money do you make? I mean, that, to me, if you're trying to make life as, as a musician or as an artist, a lot of times you have to supplement doing other things. So... So I wonder how they make a living. I can remember in the early days, I came in to and do some engineering for you. We had uh, Richie Havens here, and also I think Leo Kotkin. That was a, that was the highlight. <laughs> that was an amazing day, actually. They they both happened <laughs> was to be the here on the day? same day. Okay, I engineered those things. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. amazing. They were, uh, one of them was playing at a club in West Palm, uh, I think Leo. But yeah, they came out and stuff. I'm, I'm amazed at the amount of talent we get here. <laughs> I was I was really thrilling. And let's uh, take a phone call or two. If you'd like to join in with Michael Stock here on Topical Currents, 1-800-743-9576. Also email, that's radio at wlrn.org. We've got Mike in Aventura. Mike, go ahead. Hi. Hi, uh, hi, Mike. This is an old voice from your past. Oh, I know you, Mike. Uh, sure, how you doing? Uh, we worked together over at um, WDNA. In fact, I uh, also was here at WLRN for a while with the radio reading service, and I've known both of you for a oh, long yeah. time, and it, it's really great hearing you. What I was wondering is when, because um, I'm into radio history quite a bit, when WLRN dropped their music, were people upset about that, and um, 
how do you feel about your is your do you think your folk show will go on uh um for more hours maybe on during the week or something like that i'll, I'll hang up and listen okay well hey mike good hearing from you okay thank you um it's really up to uh, up to management. I I, yeah. I imagine your folk program is going to continue. Of course. Yeah. Well, uh, well, it, change is difficult no matter what, and I'm sure there are some people who are upset when we drop the afternoon jazz programs. We have the jazz at night now, though. But actually, the uh, change of format to talk increased our listenership quite yes, a bit. Yes, of course. So I cannot complain. And uh, let's see. Before we go any further, we have to talk about Dr. Karen Neal. That's a big part of your program. I met Karen at a concert, and we happened to share a love for storytelling, which is an important part, in my view, of, of the folk art. And uh, it turns out we had the, uh, the common love for Rosalind Bresnik Perry, who was this New York storyteller. And Karen and I said, well, we should highlight storytelling and, and uh, to highlight folk storytelling, which means everybody's storytelling. Everyone could do music. Everyone now Karen could do selects the to- storytellers that you... She's in charge of the... Uh, she's in charge of collecting the, the storytellers. And it's accessible to everybody. Like I say, uh, the public storyteller, every Sunday at 4 has become a part of my show and uh, it's on the internet as well. And every week we invite listeners to tell their South Florida story and Karen does a little... Pr- so you just send in an email and give a little bit of a biography or something? It's and, that simple, And, and yeah. what, what your story's about and... About anything, usually about anything in South Florida. And uh, it's uh, and it, Karen does some coaching and uh, and I do editing, quite frankly. It's not... I, I take out the ums and the ahs and the you knows and kind of make a little bit of sense out of it. But in the end, it's just I just want to open up the radio. Obviously, it's not scripted. Not scripted. And that's that's one of the things. It's like a, around the sitting around the table telling stories. Well, we're speaking with Michael Stock. We're talking about his folk and acoustic program, and also learning a bit, a little bit more about Michael. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll have more music. This is WLRN. This is Michelle Gonzalez, actually, a guitarist with a brand new CD called Guitar Monologue, a tune he calls Divertimento. It's just, it's just I play, I'm playing this because it shows the diversity of what I consider folk music. This is a classically trained guitarist, an active uh, musician here in South Florida. I see him in many different types of settings, whether he's playing at art shows or libraries or in jazz settings or salsa and uh, balsa nova settings. But his has a new album, and he's been on my show a few times, Michelle Gonzalez, and, and just another sample of what I consider folk music. Getting back to some of your uh, live performance uh, folk projects. I remember you did one in the 90s at the Miami Way Theater that was kind of on a grand scale. You had a big theater to fill. I, I uh, back in, uh, when I moved back home to Miami after college, I I uh, w- wanted to piggyback on WMNF's concert series. And so I gave myself five years to see what would happen. And my parents were very supportive. They bought me a little sound system. And uh, I started a folk club at a little health food restaurant in Miami Beach, and I started putting on bigger concerts. I did some at the Shelbourne Hotel. I produced shows at the Colony Theater, not the Colony, the Cameo Theater, not the Colony Theater on Miami Beach, the one on Lincoln Road, and uh, Miami Way Theater, the one you just mentioned in North Miami. 
And yeah, trying to fill a 600, 700,000 seat theater is tough. It took me a few years. I think I did it with a group called Uncle Banzai. And it was with the help of Neil Rogers because this this group was kind of off color. Did you bring uh, like Beausoleil here or something? Beausoleil, the, the uh, they were big then. The big Cajun band, uh, they were down here. I brought some Scottish bands, the Tannehill Weavers and the Battlefield Band. Uh, uh, gosh, my name, my mind is. I mean, these to me these were big names in folk music, but. South Florida, they just weren't that supportive. We have a listener who appreciates, who uh, wants you to tell us a little bit about the Hollywood uh, Folk Appreciation Series. Oh, the library. Oh, well, that's right. I've been doing, uh, actually, I did one series, and I have another series coming up at the end of this month at the Sterling Road Library. And it's, uh, uh, gosh, I had a piece of paper, and it's not right in (laughs) front of me, but uh, they were nice enough to, uh, their music appreciation series, I'm doing three lectures. Uh, one at the end of this month and two in November on folk music, and I just kind of so you're lecturing now. Well, yeah, we're playing music and just doing what I'm doing right now, kind of. Why don't we uh, play another? Uh... Well, I'll, I'll play one of a song that I did off my YouTube channel. This is Rudy Chelly, who has a new album out, and she's one of the R U T I R U T I Chelly. Uh, her last name is not really Chelly, but that's kind of represents the music. She's a cello player, oh, and folk uh, cello. And she's, well, folk, you know, she'll, she'll do anything. What's, I admire this artist because she came on to do some folk music on my show, but I've also seen her in jazz settings and in improv settings. She does a, a improv with Fernando Perdomo, another, another great guitarist who's since moved to L.A. I've seen her do a type of new age thing. Regardless, she wanted to come on and do a, a cello piece, and she asked if she could use a looper while she uh, did it. And this is what she, what a looper is. Is uh, she lays a track and she puts another track on top of it. So actually, what you're hearing four tracks, but just one person playing it. Here's a sample of Rudy playing on my show. A little poison in your blood. You think it's nothing, but then you find it's always been right there in your mind. You Rudy is an Israeli-born artist now living in South Florida. That is, you go to the YouTube channel, and uh, if you go to YouTube, search Michael Stock and just put in R-U-T-I, Rudy, and that'll pop up. But uh, I've just seen everything. I follow her career down here, and I'm just uh, admire the what she puts, what the dedication she has to the music. It's very admirable. Well, you have compilations of these. Uh, there's a lot of, of historical material that you're going to wind up with. The people down the road maybe become really big and boom, you've got these recordings. Well, that won't help me at they all. Need, yeah, but, well, <laughs> but they should be documented and saved some way and uh, people I, can have access to I them. think that's what the YouTube channel does. Otherwise, you know, I'm just myself putting this thing together or maybe I can get an intern to archive there you go. <laughs> my work. Let's see, we have a couple of emailers. Uh, Vicki Richards, a violinist, wanted to say thank you to Michael for supporting all our local artists. When we have a CD release or performances coming up, Michael's show has been very essential and vital to let the community know what's happened and how we're playing. Vicky's great. She's uh, plays violin, a lot of uh, influential of Indian music. And while I'm at it, another artist I had on my show, Jorge Alfonso, Alfano. Indian uh, music meaning India Indian. Yeah, like New Age uh, okay. music. Uh, Jorge Alfano was on my show recently. He is also another artist who 
for lack of a better term, a new age artist, but he does all types of meditation and, uh, and in- introspective music. He's a person to, s- to seek out as well. When you started doing this program around 1980 or so, uh, did folk music evolve the way you, is it, has it surprised you the way it's evolved or well, is you it where to, you thought it would be? You have to define what folk music is. I mean, there's a traditional aspect of it, which I like, which our roots are grown on. Yeah, what we just heard isn't very traditional. That's, that's not traditional. Uh, but in order to keep, uh, keep current, you have to expand what your definition of folk music is. And, and so when I get new artists, I, it's so hard to figure out what it is. If it's either popular music, and if I hear an artist trying to sell themselves or sell out and, or try to go for a popular sound or a drum machine or something along those lines, it doesn't really fit into my definition of folk music. So has it, has it evolved? Yes, mainly because the musicianship is involved. You look at bluegrass, and uh, it was a simple... It wasn't never really simple music, but you look at it now, and you have classical musicians, these quality musicians doing bluegrass, and it's just... It's just phenomenal. If you'd like to join in and give us a call, we're at 1-800-743-9576. If you'd like to uh, say hello or ask a question about uh, folk music, uh, Michael Stock, 1-800-743-9576. Also email radio at wlrn.org. Why don't we have another uh, song, and then we'll take another break, Michael. Here's one of my favorite artists uh, of these days, Sol Ruiz. That would be number four. Sol is uh, uh, born down here in South Florida, Cuban-American heritage, and she was uh, not doing, trying to sell her music here in South Florida. It's very difficult. She has since moved to Italy, formed a band there called uh, Picadillo, and she's touring the world now. But uh, from uh, for the last few months, I believe she's been back home in South Florida, and if you're lucky, if you'll be able to catch her doing a gig. And here's one of Sol Ruiz's uh, earlier recordings. No one ever told me life could be so good. That's just the way. That's just the way. That's just the way. The way I'm without you. Climbing up the buildings and crawling up the walls Erasing all your emails and deleting all your calls I guess I'll miss your letters and the way you cross your T's I know I'm a little crazy, baby, just trust me Ooh-hoo, ooh-hoo Trust me, baby Ooh-hoo, ooh-hoo That's just the way I swear it's just the way it's just the way And we're back with today's Topical Currents, Joseph Cooper, along with my longtime friend and colleague, Michael Stock. You've heard him for many years on WLRN each Sunday afternoon doing his folk and acoustic music program, also with the uh, storytelling of uh, listeners, the public storyteller, correct? Mm-hmm. How about, uh, is, is, are there still things called hoot nannies going on? Am I dating myself? Or jam sessions and hoot nannies. You might hear that term as someone is trying to promote a concert and trying to <laughs> be different, I suppose. But hoot nannies, I guess, started off as rent parties in New York City or uh, back in the forties and fifties. So that name, uh, although there is a group out in South Florida called Up- Uproot Hoot Nanny that we can play in a little while, but 
Okay. Th- well, th- that's not much. We'll go out with them. Okay. Now, if I was a parent or uh, a young person, I wanted to kind of get a, a footing on, on what uh, folk music is all about. How about five or six examples of, of classic songs that uh, would be helpful? Of course, you could start with Pete Seeger. He'll never go out of style. Any, any anything by Pete Seeger, because he was he's like the father of American folk music. Uh, Woody Guthrie as well. He's uh, well, I guess he's been called the father of folk music. And then too. Dylan, I guess. Dylan uh, is more of a pop artist, but he had he he's an incredible songwriter. Of course, influenced American culture immeasurably, and uh, his early folk music days was uh, doing the protest music. So there, there was a window of, of, I guess, in the early 60s when Dylan was truly folk music. But he, he kind of turned his back on the folk community. In 65, he went electric at Newport Folk Festival. So there's always, there's always a controversy Much there. And, well, I mean, who's, who's to say what folk music is or isn't? It's, you know, someone, uh, I guess it was Big Bill Brunsey once described it as, uh, well, horses don't play it. So everyone who, everyone's a folk plays folk music. So Now, say bridging up to... I'm not talking about the real commercial country music, but where does folk music and country music kind of lap over each other on maybe not on the commercial side? But I get you know if some if a song is let's say over fifty years old, would that consider it being folk music? I guess that means uh, all the old old popular country tunes, all Jimmy Rogers and Hank Williams is now folk music. I guess I suppose the Beatles music is going to be folk music in in a decade or two. and what was the question again? I'm sorry. How it fits with with non-commercial country music? If country music took a turn, I guess, about 20 years ago when the pop charts started including it in there. Yeah. So and and before and so real country, I, I don't know if it exists. Who knows? I think it's all pop music these days. Okay. Uh, let's go to another caller. We've got uh, Paul in Tamarack. Hey, Paul. Hi. Uh, I wanted to ask about. Buffy St. Marie, if he remembers her from the 60s and 70s. Oh, she has a new album out. just came out about two years ago. She now lives in Hawaii. Oh, so she's still active. Okay, yeah. yeah. She used to perform in Amherst. I went to University of Massachusetts in Amherst. Oh, she's she's now known more as a Sesame Street uh, personality. Oh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay, very good. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> what is it? How about Leo Kotke? Is he still around? He's still touring. Uh, I haven't heard his name in a long time, but he... He is one of the uh, giants in guitar, uh, solo acoustic guitar music. If you're going to look at the history of, of the guitar as a uh, solo instrument... Uh, he sounds like he has four hands. Oh, he's great. There was a John Fahey who initially took the instrument into the, into the stage, and then there was Michael Hedges who did incredible hammer-ons and, and pull-offs and techniques. And uh, actually, in between there, there was Leo Kotke. So, uh, yeah, incredible guitar player, incredible skill, very innovative and, and original. I wanted to further when I said if uh, somebody wanted to get a primer of folk music, you know, you, you said Woody Guthrie um, and Dylan go go a little farther with more. Uh, well, there's the whole sixties less well known. Whole six, you can go through the whole sixties folk music revival or, or scare. Yeah, Peter Paul and Mary did it. Uh, there's uh, when I started doing folk music in in the eighties, uh, Claudia Schmidt and Sally Rogers was big. The folk festivals, I think, of Philadelphia Folk Festival, the Newport Folk Festival. Uh, if, uh, you could just, uh, in fact, I was on YouTube, and you, if you Google um, Alan Lomax, you see some great original folk music on on uh, on YouTube. It's just incredible that what they access things that you could access these days. And what's he like? Alan Lomax, no, he was just a collector. 
he he went around and collect went to prisons and he went out uh, uh, back in the 19 he and his dad back in the 30s 20s 30s and 40s went to prisons to seek out folk music and uh, they shunned anything popular so there was a lot of music they missed because they thought it was too popular but they went to places like log cabins in the middle of mountains or 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 prisons they were famous for prisons john lomax is famous for uh, uh his first collection of cowboy songs out in texas and and bringing songs like the yellow rose of texas and home on the range and bringing that into popularity i saw a great documentary on the guy that went around and recorded like people of the uh, like the Car- the original carter family and, yes and uh ralph ralph uh, oh gosh i can't remember his name but he had uh, the original uh a recording session at Bristol, Tennessee, Ralph Peer, and he 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 took advantage of the in 1927, I believe, he wanted to make albums, and he realized that he could sell uh, black artists to black people and make lots of money. So he went out into the mountains and had like an open mic, a little audition, and he discovered the Carter family, which revolutionized country music. He discovered Jimmy Rogers at that open mic, and he made a lot of money off off <laughs> off this music wasn't called folk because i don't think folk probably would have hurt the sales of it it was country or he called it hillbilly music oh yeah let's see another email or smithsonian folkways label has unique folk recordings is that a good place oh great it's incredible that's that's where uh folkways records mose ash uh back in the 40s and 50s collected a lot of music in the 60s and smithsonian folkways bought his collection as well as a numerous other collections. they have joe glazer's collection now with early political music so Smithsonian Folkways Records is is phenomenal. Well, great Lead Belly, all of what Woody Guthrie, all of Woody Guthrie's recordings. It's really very uh, Do you play any of that kind of stuff? Oh, like, absolutely. Like Lead Belly. I absolutely do. Uh, but I I I'm kind of I try to measure it between old traditional music, what the what our traditions were built on, as well as the new music that's coming out and and artists that are trying to make a living these days. Uh, so I try to play the balance and remain current and. Try to play young artists because I think that keeps the show fresh. Is knowing that you're actively trying to to be new. Yeah, many of the of the selections you played today on this program, I wouldn't have said, "Oh, that's folk music." Who's, who says what folk music is? You know, I, it's about I, the fourth time. I, I guess you just can't do it since it, you bring it, what, it up all the time. What I say it is is what I say it is. You know, they, people, what is folk? I say it's what I say it is. <laughs> you know, it sounds kind of uh, conceited, but it's my show, and I get to decide what folk music is not. Who you know? Who knows? But I, b- uh, before I run out of time, I also want to mention that there's South Florida. There's there is a lot of folk music okay. happenings in South Florida. Uh, Luna Star Cafe is really one of the only places in South Florida that regularly fo- showcases the music. They have actually a songwriters workshop there every month, put on by the Nashville Songwriters Association. There's another group uh, that's Luna just, Star. Where's that? That's in North Miami, and she's been there for about thirty years herself, I believe. And uh, there's another group that recently started called Folk in Florida, F-O-L-K apostrophe D, and it's a group of about five or six musicians, and you could see them around. I think currently they do a monthly show at Churchill's, but uh, Lone Wolf, Little Baby, Lone Wolf, uh, Barely Damned, Baby Bear, a group of, and Bora, uh, there's a group of musicians, fairly open. You, anybody could participate, but it's actually an active group of promoting folk music and the traditions as well. But there's, if you search around, there's a, a lot of stuff. The Broward Folk Club puts on the South Florida Folk Festival every year, which is coming up at the end of January of next year. And and the Folk Club of South Florida, they put on a show every month at Luna Star. And uh, the old uh, there's still a tradition of South Florida folk artists that have been around since uh, since my show. Uh, Rod McDonald is very active. Grant Livingston, Amy Carroll Webb is still 
promoting it. And Keith Johns is going to be on my show this week. He has a new CD coming out, and we'll be featuring it this week on my show. More about Keith Johns. He's uh, there's this. Uh, he's being. He has a new album coming out, and he's going to be in concert, I believe, next Saturday at the Windwood Yard, helping promote his new CD. And he's. Uh, uh, I think he he was uh, a college graduate, but he decided to become a musician and songwriter. So he's devoting his life to to the art of it now. And so I'm looking forward to hearing what he sounds like in his new CD. So not really many of these artists uh, can really support themselves playing folk folk music. It's very difficult. Rare. You'd have to have very low standards of living if you want to, <laughs> if, you know, be willing to uh, basically live out of your car almost, and uh, or and. And if you're willing to put the time in, it's just a matter of persistence. It's like with any art. you just got to be consistent, and, and you'll grow, and you'll develop your following. And I think that's what my job is, is try to expose a lot of these artists. We're speaking with Michael Stock. Of course, you'll hear him every Sunday afternoon on WLRN doing his uh, folk and acoustic music program. And uh, tell us a little more about the uh, Florida Folk Festival. You used to go to that every year. I don't know if you still do now. I do. Uh, it's been through a, a lot of uh, hurricane. Uh, I believe it was Hurricane Andrew, still a long time ago. But th- that kind of threw off the uh, the flow of the festivals. But right now they're con- being fairly consistent every uh, for about four past four years. There at U Birch State Park in uh, Fort Lauderdale. It's a beautiful space, right off uh, Sunrise, I believe, right by the ocean. And January twenty seventh, twenty eighth, they have a national songwriting contest that brings in really incredible ta- group of talent and south florida during the winter time a lot of artists want to be here during the winter time so the quality of musicians are usually pretty good and uh, also another emailer um says wlrn studio for performances type i've always had a great time with my various ensembles there's a dialogue and have all, all of us come away with having new information sharing our music and hope for the future of uh, live music Thank you, WLRN, and thank you, Michael Stock. Once again, Vicki Richards. Oh, that's Miami. Vicky again. Okay, good, Vicki. I also want to mention real quickly Josephine Phoenix, who's another very talented artist who lives in South Florida. She's a musician as well as an actress, and I saw her last week on a new TV show called My Life in a Telenovela. So I just want to give a shout-out. Telenueva. To- Telenovela. Do- 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 oh, yeah, the novellas. The Telenovela. And she's she's just a, a character in there who's, who's supportive of one of the main performers. So it's, it's fun watching her on TV and just give her a shout-out. And bring me up to date on uh, one of my favorite artists here, Grant Livingston, who composes some great uh, uh, South Florida-based Oh, great. Music. Yeah, he's he's uh, focused on the environment, and whether it be water or uh, Malaluka or the, uh, or the islands we have here, he could always be found at uh, different uh, events that promote South Florida. Let's say he was at the Redlands. I think this weekend he's going to be at the Redlands uh, Plant Fest over in, in Homestead. But he's he's still active. He has a, a new CD out, always writing music and, and recording music. And how about another uh, selection with Uproot Hootenanny? Uproot Hootenanny. I mean, I didn't even get into the bluegrass local scene, but this is uh, one of the local bands who's, I just talked to them today, they're on their way to the Swanee Fest up in uh, northern Florida. And uh, they're a, a local bluegrass band that takes all different types of influences for their music. She's on her way. She's on the way, and the whiskey's going down. Fuel up that rocket, gonna blast out in space. Like a hungry dog looking for a tail to chase. Blow off the roof, start howling at the moon. 
Well, good foot-tapping music to go out with, Michael. Thanks, Joe. It's been a great pleasure to have you on, Michael Stock. Of course, what time? Folk and acoustic music each Sunday. From 2 to 5. 2 to 5 with the public storyteller. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Jen. As always. And that wraps up our Topical Currents Profile Edition. It was produced by Polly Landis. Technical direction from online coordinator Jason Zabka. Richard Ives is lead producer. And for a free audio download copy of today's program, they're easy to find at our website, wlrn.org. Go through the radio link. Also, we have a Topical Currents Facebook page updated daily. And tomorrow's program is a full hour with chef, author, and syndicated columnist Linda Gassenheimer. We'll present a restaurant survival guide with Stephen Perriconi and acclaimed chef Michelle Bernstein. Thanks to our callers during this hour. This is Joseph Cooper. Thanks for making Public Radio your companion today. Stay tuned for Here and Now, next from NPR News.